there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We got ourselves a sponsor, ladies and gentlemen. We are now Stacking Pennies presented by Mobile One. Can you believe it? Times are changing around here. We got new logos. We got new sponsors. Same old mediocre content. Tune in. We got SVG coming right up. Ben Kennedy. It's a packed show, ladies and gentlemen. You do not want to miss this. This is Stacking Pennies presented by Mobile One. Buckle up. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hello, friends. Uh, you guys just heard my mediocre presentation of the word mediocrity. I don't even know what I was talking about, Chuck. But uh, I'm joined by the normal band of characters. But, guys, this is going to be a humongous show. We just spent about a half hour with the driver of the Project 91 car, Shane Van Gisbergen, as well as Ben Kennedy, uh, leading up to one of the biggest events on the schedule this weekend, the Chicago Road Course. But then let's get the normal band of characters around the table involved here to my right mr chuck bush hello how's it going doing well john merriman how you doing doing well how you doing i'm good the mustache looks strong today thank you and then ryan flores hey core how's it going great and you short week for y'all yeah yeah that was that That was was unique crash it was unique crash when you yeah i kind of saw what you uh were talking about when you were like what did he let off the brake what happened he um, let off the brake and then stood on the gas and drove head on the fence. Did he? Did he stand on the gas? Did yeah. He try to whip it around. I guess. I so personally, me, I was trying to change the shield of my helmet. I was like, all right, it's gonna go from dark to to the, uh, night here, or it's gonna go from light to dark here. So I need to put my clear shield on. So I was in the middle of doing that. It took like the first screw out, and Josh was like, green, green, green. Oh, lock it down, lock it down, lock it down. So I was like, oh, gonna do it with a dark shield. So I tightened it back up real quick. So I thought we just spun. Cause I just saw the yellow hood go by, and then he went out of frame and then it was kind of like really scary he was like they're like you all right and i was like did, you, did we hit something oh, and he was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna need some help guys and i was like well when Whoa. you hit head on like that it feels like dwayne johnson gets a full-on run and kick right to the nets so that's what dude it feels i hit like. with sub straps last year at stafford for the first time ever and i was probably going 60 and i was like why did we switch to these crotch belts i want to go back to just a regular old Center puncher. Just, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was worse. Um, well, you're, they probably weren't tight enough. Generally, it's not. If you get a run to start at the belt, it's going to hurt way more than when if they're, you're saying they mine? start tight. Yeah. Wow. You were the one that adjusted them. Are you talking to my seat guy about this? Yeah. Maybe hey, Corey, what should I do with myself? Tighten them up. Belts? Tighten them up a little bit. You know yeah, what? I was, a, uh, I was a slight Nashville Super Speedway hater um, up until this weekend. I thought that. The race, the Xfinity race was exciting. The truck race was pretty exciting. And I thought the cup race was wide. It had a lot of racing lanes. When's the last time we saw somebody do three wide for three laps at the on a restart? I mean, that was just. Not at Daytona or Talladega. Yeah. Right. I mean, 
That was pretty cool. Yeah. It was awesome. This car race is awesome. A mile and a half side by side like that. That's it does. One thing it's definitely got going for it. And dude, the atmosphere there. It was packed. So I've always thought that it being in Lebanon, half hour, forty five minutes outside of town would be a little bit of a deterrent. Every year we've been there, it's been sold out. And the place is packed. Celebrities are famous people. Well, a lot of famous people. Um so I was like it also wasn't it was hot, but it wasn't blazing hot like it was last year. So it was only like 98 degrees. It wasn't 130 like it was last year. So at least it was bearable. I it, thought it was really hot. It was really yeah, hot, it, it yeah. Was warm. But last year was miserable. Yes, last year was bad. And then that storm came through and it made it like super humid, like where your sunglasses would fog up. Was there um, any notable people that you met that you were like shocked by? Well, I went and rode mountain bikes at Rich Froning's house. So Rich Froning is like the uh, – met him at kickball last year. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse brought them. They're, they're buddies. Came – crossfit i've just kept up with his career he's like the jimmy johnson of crossfit right he won five times in a row see that split squat snatch i hit him with when we were getting ready to <laughs> introduce for <laughs> hey rich we were getting introduced for kickball we were like in a v standing there and i said hey rich watch this did some like weird jerking move that ended up in a squat and he was like what was that i'm like you about to find out well so he he and his family came to the race on sunday and i'll get back to the story in a second you know one of those guys, one of the track house tire changers that just talks about kickball all the time? Yeah. So Rich and I were sitting there talking, and he goes, where are you going to go, Rich? Hit some assault bike sprints after this? <laughs> just, and then he got like, no. <laughs> just out of nowhere? <laughs> like, yeah, like he was reaching into the cooler to grab a Celsius and said, oh, Rich, you go hit some assault bike sprints after this? Rich was like, yeah. no. What are you going to do? Gonna go do? What are you going to do, Murph, you nerd? <laughs> <laughs> so I went, I, I <laughs> So he lives in in Cookville, which is like forty five minutes east of of the track. So we get there. We I drove the bus up with the whole family on Wednesday night. Thursday we went into Franklin, hung out, hung out with some friends, saw the sights. Pretty cool town. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, went to a Nashville Sounds game, baseball game downtown Thursday night. Had some fun doing that. Friday I rode over to Froning Farms. He's got like two hundred and fifty acres, bunch of single single track bike uh, trails cut in. Buff, uh, he's got buffalo. He's got the furry cows. He's got like the whole thing. He's got this sick barn, gym, podcast studio set up. And I text him like, "Hey man, I'm, I'm gonna get like 10, 12 miles in." He goes, "Oh sure, but I got to ride for two and a half hours for my training program." Little did I know he is in prime training condition for a hundred mile race in Leadville, Colorado, in like a month from now. So he did thirty miles almost in the span of what I did twelve. Double what I did in about the same amount of time. So how many hours did it take you to do 12? Hour and a half. So he rode for two hours. Two and a half hours and did 30 some odd miles. Blazing fast, bro. So I kept up with him for about nine minutes. And then I could see why he was the fittest man in the world for uh, for five years in a row. So yeah. that was a different level. I was like, oh, He's man. built different. He is built different. So that He's was pretty cool to see. Tall, his but he is like a solid dude, like a brick house. And he's got his... So the, I guess they give out like this big belt buckle if you finish a hundred mile race in sub six hours. So that's what he's going for, and he looks like he's in yeah, he looks pretty big condition. Big race fan. He is a big race fan. So it's pretty cool to see him out at the racetrack. He's been out there a couple of years. He's also going to be coming back for kickball. CrossFit Mayhem's going to try to put together a team. But they can come get their work in anytime. Don't yeah, matter. Don't they might be able to lift heavy, but they can't hoist that Copperdale over their head like we will be doing in October. But let's back get back to racing, Chuck. First off. We got ourselves a sponsor. 
Woo! Noble One. How'd that even come about? Sales, man. They just said, hey, you guys are going to start Yeah, and they're like, hey, about we got this one. podcast. And, Love that. Uh, you guys got this product that needs pitching. Let's put those two together, and now we're presented by Mobile One. That's bitching is what we call that. I love do love that. Mobile One. Using all my personal stuff. I put, it in my, put it in my corn pops in the morning. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eat my cereal with it. <laughs> if you don't uh, chew disclaimer, Mobile One, then you. Don't put it in cereal. Yeah. Do not consume it. Put it in your motor. Before we get too back, too far back to the racing, you touched on driving the bus. And everybody thinks that, you know, they go on YouTube and watch the MTV Cribs bus I get a, episode. I've got a lot of comments about that. But what they don't see is that your bus was infested with ants this Dude, morning. the freaking D.O. lot had more red ant hills in it than I've ever seen in my entire life. So I literally wake up Thursday morning, and I get up there, and there's just a, like a little marching line of red ants. One guy a little knocking on the drums. One guy with the cymbals looking like one of Chuck's battle battalions in, the, in my <laughs> bus and i'm like oh no it was like seven o'clock in the morning and i was like i i literally started grabbing a like a paper towel and just start going to work on smashing these ants like hundreds of them where were they going were they so i i was like where are these some coming from so i go outside and it was raining when we got there so the ground was all wet so there was like no ant hills like visible but once it dried out like they built back up like little mounds and they crawled up my my Wi-Fi cable that was like on the ground. It went from like the Starlink, then it drug on. It was on the ground for like six inches, and it went back up into the bus. They got up there and just marched it like a freaking subway station all the way up into the side of our bus. So then it was just ant traps and spray the rest of the weekend. Mm. Yep, but cup that was shit. like the low. That was cup, man. That's cup, um, man. The the weekend got better after that. Had a decent practice day on uh, on Friday night. Thought we had a decent car, showed up for Saturday, knowing that you had to lay one lap down. You know, you got to commit and you got to put um, track position there, super important. So I uh, visualized the lap that I thought was going to be um, pretty good. And we made some good changes from Friday to Saturday and had probably a top 15 lap going through the middle of three and four. And we got in the left for a bump stop too hard. And the thing just swapped ends before I even know what happened. I saw that a couple of times. So. I spun out, got a little bit of right rear bumper damage. Guys, fix that up. Then we saw the 99 in that second round of qualifying. Same thing. You get committed through those bumps with wheel into it and trying to be wide open uh, at that point of the corner, and you get on the left rear bump stop, and you legitimately aren't in control. So saw him had to go to a backup. Uh, then we saw the 23 as well. He spun out, didn't hit nothing, and was able to start 10th or 9th. It was the level of commitment you have to have with these cars and qualifying, man, there's no room for a wiggle without keeping those things out of the fence. We got lucky. We only tore our stuff up a little bit. We talked to Ross um, after qualifying in victory lane uh, on Saturday. And he was like, cause we asked him about, you know, the 99 spinning out and he's, he was basically describing like you were just on this edge the whole time. The razor like, edge. Any fraction of blip. mistake, mm-hmm. a blip or whatever. If you like lift out of the, like, that's it mm-hmm. and he's like that's the they, that was their first poll for track house so yeah. he was like this is a big big week for him but what's it, the what, difference in that in the race well that that was that was what i was getting to is like what is it Speed, about their pressure right so sticker tires create more grip that's obvious but they create more grip up until the point of when so you when you're qualifying your intent is to load the sidewall of the tire just to the point of where they want to shear right where, when they're stickers they have a ton of grip, and you bend the tire, bend it, bend it, bend it, up until it 
if you, particularly with the rear, if you slip the rear, you have all this lateral load in the sidewalls. And then as soon as it breaks traction, the st sidewall stands up and then you don't get traction back where in the race, tire pressures are lower. Also, as soon as your tires get to like operating temperature, say they're operating at a 200 and 225 degrees, then your tire can actually slide. So that's when you can get the moments where you're back counter steering. But in qualifying, you're just asking a ton out of the tire. It's got grip, got grip. And then it, you ask 0.2 miles an hour too much of, of grip out of the tire and it can't take it. Or you get on the left rear bump stop too much and it's instantly breaks traction and you're backwards before you know it. So that's why um, qualifying intermediates is so sketchy because you know how important track position is. You know how much you're on the verge of, of being super gripped up or wrecked and sometimes you got to take the risk and sometimes you overstep it we saw that a couple times this weekend uh but the one man he was really good in practice fastest car in qualifying so i knew that those guys were going to be strong wasn't a gimme though ross got up there and earned that thing buddy shut up a lot of the haters because we've been wondering where ross has been he's lost the point lead he's been third, fourth in points. Everybody's used to seeing him have a little bit better consistency in runs, but comes back at – I mean, this, this is – there's no team. There's arguably 12 teams worth of home team races when we come here to Charlotte. There's – even the track house is located here in Concord. That is their home track. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just where Justin lives. He lives in Brentwood or, Brentwood or, or Franklin, wherever he lives. And they have their marketing agency out of there, right? They have a lot of – Tootsie's is on the Tootsie's on the car on the yeah. 99, right? They have a lot of presence there in Nashville, so that, for all intents and purposes, was a home race for those guys. So I knew that that was a super pumped up day. I'm sure those guys burned it down on Sunday night. Yeah, I heard they got. I called Tootal to congratulate him, and he sounded pretty hungover. But the question I think <clears throat> has not been where has Ross been is located. They pull the reins back on Ross after Darlington and the, you know, the Kyle Larson incident in. He was pretty much out of the news as far as being super aggressive, but the one thing that I that really stuck out to me was that well, one the forty five drove up there and passed him, and they had their problems. But Parker Klingerman had touched on it, and you talked about it with Logano late in the race. How once he got the lead, how he was able to defend the arrow block, and I think that's something that you can probably explain pretty well, so it can add an element to the fans when they watch it like if they're listening to this and they're watching the race there's an art to that as well and i think parker on on his twitter he was just talking about like how impressed he was at how well ross does that and what he did to the 19 well it's a it's not just a driver only thing it's a it's a spotter thing you're relying super heavily on the guy upstairs to on the communication to be concise because when you're the leader you have to be almost reactive to wherever the guy behind you commits. Um, or, you know, I say it as I've done it before in the lead, but, like, you you do that when you're running 15th. You do that. Joey did that to me for the last 40 laps of the race running 19th, right? It's like you just know if your spotter says, all right, he's half high with a run, you just open your corner up three, four feet, and then you dump – essentially you dump your dirty air, you dump your wake on the nose of that car, and it, it kills your front downforce and you can't finish the corner like you could to formulate another run to get position. So I think the, one of the moves that probably sealed the race for Ross was that middle three wide move into three, which was super badass through the, I think it was a 10 and the 15, just enough to build that gap to where the 19 couldn't quite get back to his back bumper. But 
that's where we were actually talking about that in our comp meeting today. TJ Bell and I is my spotter of how to call that better and be more concise because you can look in your mirror, right? But when you're committed to the corner and you're at the half mark, uh, you're re- relying on your spotter because you're trying to finish the corner with momentum. But if that guy's showing a headlight underneath of you, you can you can kind of back your corner up or slow your corner down a little bit just to cover up that foot of air he's trying to get on his diffuser or trying to get on his nose. So we've seen that, I don't know, aero defense, if, if you wanted to call that. It's it's not aero, it's aero blocking, but it's just an element of the way it races anymore. I think that it's not a bad thing. It's just a way, it's just a, another element to the race that needs to be explained to the to the viewers of what they're seeing and why guys are uh, complaining about it because it is tough, but you can be on the offensive if you have the track position or if you can be on uh, the other side of that if you're trying to pass somebody that you're faster, then it's frustrating. But How you, hard is it to do that at it, like, how much of you is looking out the mirror and then looking at where you're going? 50-50. You're looking – where's your mirror at? So my mirror – like when I, I put my mirror so when my hand turns and it's at like at noon, like 12 o'clock on the wheel, I can glance and it's on the same height as my, my dash. Really? Yeah, so like I'm looking – you know, if I'm looking kind of like center to the windshield to the left around the corner, I can like flash my eyes to the right and see where they are relative to the center oh. of the car. So if he's underneath me, I'm – not maybe I'm waiting like a split second to get to the gas so I can finish turning that little bit and cut the air off of him high or rush to the gas a little bit and open the corner up, depending on what this is. Has the camera rear view mirror helped that, you think? Yeah, it's way it's way more clear and it's a lot more uh, – like the vantage point's a lot bigger because it's yeah. higher, right? Because nothing in the way. You're not looking at a window brace or yeah, anything. Yeah, you're like, not. You're, you have a split second to look at it. Yeah. So the clearer the picture, the – yeah. And it looks further away. So the camera, the cars look further away. So you can you can almost be a little more uh, aggressive with where you go. Where previously you look in your mirror and the guy might be a car length back, but he looks like he's up your ass, right? So I think there's a lot of different things with this car, particularly with the rear view cameras change. Especially, that's why I think, man, you watch a speedway race, Chuck, back in the early 2000s. You know, and there's a reason why Earnhardt could go from 18th to the lead in six laps because a lot of those guys didn't know how to block, didn't really know how to draft. The spotters didn't know how to be called defensive races or know what lanes to cover. So you legitimately could slice through it. Now the cameras are so good. You can see pretty much everything happened behind you. The spotters are so good telling you where the energy's coming from that that's why you don't see a lot of comers and goers and a lot of lanes forming up because everybody's able to see what everybody's doing as opposed to just kind of guessing. So, that's why that's another conversation for another day. But one thing we, we talked about in our production call for inside the race was you talked about Ross Chastain and after Darlington, and they say, you know, they, you know, same Ross, whatever. But one thing that Steve Latart and Todd Gordon both said on the call with us was that they felt like Ross drove a way more mature race and, and made made the typical Ross moves of being super aggressive going three wide with the 51 and the 10, but also didn't put himself in any, any, you know, situation to, to wreck underneath, you know, the five, like he did at Darlington. So they, they thought he drove a much smarter, more complete race I mean, in Nashville than he's, than he's driven. There was a moment when Noah was fighting to stay on the lead lap that there was a moment of, oh, is this going to, is this work? Cause I mean, I'll be honest. There was a point in the media center where it was kind of like, all right, is Ross going to keep this together or is something going to happen that like 
is he going to do something to blow it away, right? I don't feel like Ross has – I feel like there's been more blame than needs to be blamed on his moves. I, yeah. would, I would agree. I would put a majority of the – I, I would – I would put the majority – not the majority. I would put a lot more percentage of the blame on Kyle Larson at Darlington than people have been given. Like, they, both those guys were racing each other like jerks, and they both ended up getting the short end of the stick. And I think the way I phrased it was wrong. Not that is he going to blow it, but is something – because it, it seems like he has been a magnet for bad luck in a sense. Like, things have happened to him, around him. Well, he's, he's been in these situations where he gets caught up in stuff. So, it's like, is that going to play out here? But then – it didn't. And to that point, Justin Marks and Victory Lane, he was talking with Alex Weaver and we got the interview with him and he, he said in there that conversation after Darlington got blown way out of proportion, that it was just two dudes sitting down talking about racing, like two friends talking about, hey, how can we do this better? What can we do here? Like, and now you see that pay off in a race. Like he puts together a complete race. Well, it's right? situational awareness, right? And, that, and really and truly we keep talking about it. It's the first time. That Ross is comfortable. It's he's growing into where he ends up in, like on the grid on a given basis. Like this is the last year and a half, two years is the first time he's had cars good enough where he is in contention. Win every week. You don't have to worry about next year either. No, like he's got a he's got a long term deal. He's got a home there for as, probably as long as he wants to drive. Right? They're gonna announce some big sponsor deals and they're gonna announce all the things coming up for those guys. Like he's good and he knows those guys have his back. So now he can. Not be as desperate. He can still race aggressive, but he there's a difference between racing aggressive and racing desperate. And Ross now doesn't need to be desperate. He has some playoff points in the bank. He's got obviously his ticket punch now to the to the playoffs. He's not worried about that. Now he's worried about trying to go get that regular season championship and get those 15 more playoff points in the bank. So that was super cool for Trackhouse. Pumped up for those guys. I have a hot take. Okay, tell me how tell me how cold this is. I almost wish that Chicago Street Race didn't have a supporting series this weekend. I wish it was just a cup-only thing. Uh, I, I've i been on that hill pretty hard. I don't understand the business models of it. That's probably why, you know, we need to have – Well, TV money. windows of filling TV time yeah. is probably important, right? Because the cup owners don't want to be on the track for three hours risking tearing stuff up and well, I think the, the original and stuff like that. I think the original plan was to have a, a sports car series there yeah. as, as supporting – I think there needs to be four or five events a year, maybe more, that only the big dogs are in town. Yep. And I wish that this was an opportunity to do that. But it's not. So Can this, you know, feel free to say I'm stupid for asking this one. You're stupid. But not for the question. Is there any benefit to having something other than your highest series test out the track before? Like it's a complete car or F1? I'm saying like for cup cars, like F two F two is at the track a lot for F. Oh, are you talking about? Are you talking about? I'm saying for this Indy car, like, like having, I mean, just having Xfinity. Yeah, like we're gonna have practice on Saturday, but like, would you want to put a course like that through a race? You know what would have been good support series? The Mazda cars. Those like the, things are five. freaking awesome. <laughs> the little like, watch, dude. The, 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 dude. I would be in one you of them. One, I damn you ran one one time. I look like inadvertently. I look like Bowser in that son of a bitch. <laughs> but you know, but you know what I'm saying. Like you want to like at least get something on track so See you if have the walls hold up when somebody augers that thing advocate. in at six. I'm in play turn six. Advocate. Have you watched an Xfinity race lately? Have you watched the Xfinity race last weekend? 
have you watched an Xfinity road course race? So if they have a bad showing on Saturday, people are already bitching about this deal. Yeah. Right? So, like, that's where, I don't know. I've always felt when I was younger, like, when Cup would go to Indy, it was like a rite of passage. You had to be on a Cup. You had to be in the big leagues to yeah. go to Indy. And I feel like since Xfinity has started going to Indy, it's kind of Well, that's why we're that racing on the bit. damn road course because you took, like, they brought the Xfinity cars there. Well, how do we make the racing better? Now we got two subpar auto races on the weekends. Well, just keep one and tune on the aero platform a little bit for the cup cars. Yeah. Don't drag another series there. And I think it dilutes the whole thing, in my opinion. That's yeah. my opinion. But yeah. above my pay grade. I think so, too. I think you're right. I think that it would be a good thing for cup only, but. You know what we can do? We can we can ask Ben Kennedy that when he comes on the show here later this That's later a day. Great idea. Well, after before Ben Kennedy, we got SVG coming on the podcast. So stick around right now. After this break, he's going to be on the other side of it. We're going to break down all things Project Ninety One with our guy from Down Under, Shane Van Gisbergen, jumping in studio right now. For me, race day is a great reason to shut down the laptop. Put the phone on silent and simply enjoy the driving. But Mobile One wants to remind you that you can get the same kind of escape any day of the week. How? By simply hopping in your car, rolling the windows down, and hitting the road. No emails, no calls, no work, just freedom. Mobile One, for the love of driving. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. All right, guys, it's the guest we've been talking about. I've been super excited to talk to this guy. He's joining us right here in studio, driver of the Project 91, three-time V8 Supercar Champion, 79 race wins. And he's going to come dabble with us at Chicago Street Race this weekend. Shane Van Gisbergen is joining us right here in studio. First off, buddy, welcome in. Yeah, thanks for having me. You traveled a long way just to come on this podcast, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Nice to uh, have you. It's been a big trip. Finally got over my jet lag. Come good now. But How long did that take to get over? Uh, it was just 26, 27 hours. Okay. Yeah, to here. So long way. <laughs> So before we get into the meat and potatoes of this thing, you went to your first oval this week race this weekend in Nashville with Trackhouse, and you brought them guys some good luck. So how was your first NASCAR experience? Yeah, I'd love to say I helped, but I didn't do much. I just <laughs> took it all in, but it was cool. It was a hot weekend, but just seeing the amount of people, like the stands full for that race and how it works. We got to walk around the infield and stood up on the on the stand for a bit, watched the pit stops. It was cool. Very different to what we're used to and then um just seeing how the dynamic of the races like obviously 
quite different to TV and I took um, particular notice of Daniel starting at the back and you and him just right from the start going yeah. at it the whole time. Like, There's no give or take. It's just flat out the whole way. It's there's pretty, there's all, it's only intense. take. Yeah. There's only take. So I, we got to spend a couple of minutes to, to just introduce ourselves. Meanwhile, my guys were fixing my stuff. I tore up and qualifying. We were sitting there <laughs> watching the 99 car uh, go to a backup. So it was cool just to like talk shop a little bit and get familiar. But you said, I heard you express a little bit of interest about maybe being intrigued to run Oval. Yeah, I am now. Like when the series was just one or two road courses, it's not that appealing for someone coming in. And But now these cars are more relative to the rest of the world and you do so many more road courses. So yeah, it looks looks like something you'd want to try. And it looked fun on the weekend, the three wide. and Oh, dude. looks awesome. It's yeah. Until you're in it and you got somebody up your ass, right? Yeah. But hey, for those who don't, who aren't familiar with V8 Supercar Racing, this guy is fourth on the all-time win list, three-time champ. He's coming over here to get a taste of it. And if anybody, and I've, I said this a couple weeks ago, if anybody has a chance to like shake things up and be in contention for a win in that Project 91 car, it's this guy. He has more road racing experience than pretty much everybody. And it's essentially, there's only, what, three or four guys in the in the field that probably have re- ever raced on a street race? Yeah, I don't even know if there's that. I'm to sure. AJ, AJ McDowell. Yeah. Okay. I mean, pro, uh, beyond that, I don't know. And you're still an active guy. Yeah. Right? You're still yeah. Yeah. racing. 34 years old. So, Man's it's not like prime. you're, you know, it's not like you're Jensen or Kimmy that's, like, kind of doing it for, like, no, nah, I don't, wouldn't say fun, but for fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't, have you, have you gotten in the sim at all yet or yeah so i did a bit obviously on our racing but then jumped on the team's one and then i get to go on the chevy one uh in two days time so to get like a lightning mcqueen do you so, have anything like that in australia lightning mcqueen they said they did <laughs> it looks exactly like no, that. completely different yeah we we just do computer sim like math stuff never driving so very really? different so yeah. you drive for essentially the the hendrick motorsports of yeah, australia right yeah. like what they've won 10 out of the last 20 championships yeah, i saw it's been good. Mm-hmm. so it's, it's been solid and even though with all that it's like they don't even have a that's i found that interesting they didn't have a simulator like a driver in the loop Nobody simulator does, there yeah so what's it like when you went, walked in the track house how much different is that than like what your guys workshop is? just the scale of it like it's pretty much twice everything so we have 60 staff i think they have 135 there and they had the team lunch just before and seeing Everyone in there, like, it's a massive team. But, like, how it all works is still pretty intimate. Everyone works together well in all the different departments. It's very cool to see. But ours is similar, just this is all massive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always curious to how, like, you get the invitation to drive for Project 91. Does, like, yep. somebody knock on your door in, like, a black suit with a briefcase <laughs> and, like, open it up, like, check yes or no, <laughs> and it goes, like, directly to Justin's bus? <laughs> like, how does the conversation to yep. for you to be a week – well, uh, I obviously saw yeah. it all last year with what Kimmy did and yeah. how Justin came across with the project, what his intentions were with it. And yeah, I was just like, throw my hat in the ring. So I messaged my friend Paul Morris, who knew Boris said, and Boris is friends with Justin and got the conversation going. And yeah, like it's hard to stack up to someone like Kimmy, but I guess in our part of the world or what Justin wants to do is all different continents and stuff and bring him across. And yeah, so it was pretty cool to be on the list and yeah he said last year we'll look at what we can do this year and it worked out when did you finally realize it was actually going to happen uh, it was probably three three months ago yeah yeah i, I guess because you have way more experience than any of us do how how does chicago street course the limited time you've had just on the computer stack up to 
the ones that you've raced in the past. Yeah, it's quite different to the Australian ones. Like we have a lot more curbs on the inside and chicanes and stuff. It's very rare that we have just 90 degree corners and the walls are everything. So it's quite unique. And then even at the end of the break zones, it's just a wall following the corner. Like we have some runoff and a lot more tire barriers. Like this looks super difficult to what compared to what we're used to. And it looks bumpy, lots of lots of surface changes. Like it ain't gonna be easy. So what's your what's your focus and expectations going into the weekend? I don't really have anything, but I guess we've had such good prep and I got a good opportunity to drive the car yesterday, get a feel. So, you know, I feel comfortable but I don't really know. Like if you come into my series and said you were gonna run at the front, we'd laugh at you type thing. Like yeah. you guys drive the car so much every week. You're doing a lot more road courses and Obviously, I've watched most of the races this year trying to learn, and everyone's at such a high level. So you're never going to just come in and smoke everyone, but you'd like to hope that you can be competitive, yeah. So V8 supercars are right-hand drive. Yeah. But you, with, we talked a little bit on Saturday, and you said you have driven several cars that are left-hand drive, rally cross yep. and some other things like that. You drove the car yesterday at the Roval for a bit yep. just to get settled in, to figure out sequential shifting. What are some different things, and what are some similar things of what you're used to driving? Man, getting through the through the window, something I'm not used to. <laughs> not being a small guy also, is difficult. Those guys who are just <laughs> listening, my guys, what are you, 6'3"? Yeah. 205? Yeah, 210, yeah, I think I was. Look yeah. at the calves on that freaking guy. <laughs> Trying to get them through the window is going to be rough. That, that's, <laughs> that's what <clears throat> I talked to. I was at Pipper today, and Scotty come walking up, and I said, hey, I'm interviewing Shane this afternoon. Is there anything I should talk to him about? He said, ask him if he meant to block my door. Oh, getting out of the car that, yeah. like listen to this all-time move so <laughs> he wins scotty finished second so they pull in the victory lane and since you get out of the door he just pulled up next yeah. to him so he couldn't get out and, so he gets, and then you got car. out yeah yeah but i wish i did it on purpose like it was filled with smoke from doing skids and then i just pulled up to the the bollard thing and it worked out it went he, down real bad he thinks you did oh, it on purpose yeah everyone thinks i did but the next day he won so he got he got it back did he yeah. did he block you in the next day uh, I don't think I got on the podium next day. Yeah. What do you think? I'm always curious of just different racing etiquettes in different areas or series around the world, right? You've watched Coda and you've heard Jensen <laughs> yeah. Button's post-race interviews and you saw Kimmy at Watkins Glen, right? And you've mm. seen now an oval race on just the etiquette or lack thereof in racing. How is that or what you're used to driving? Well, we're, we have a judicial system like we have one touch and it's ruled on it everything's ruled there's so many rules and Would, penalized by, for by steward by steward yeah. is it there's like a, fia uh no like, the series runs it and there's a driver standards advisor okay. and he does a very good job but he polices everything like front to rear contact side to side so really oh. whereas here it's all sort of self-policed by the looks well you it's have to actually do something no i'll major. tell you what the policing is like nice job yeah good job you have to do something harder. major to get dude there'd be nobody the left at road courses if you got penalized for that so, so is when it I like, saw Coda, it was like, oh what am God. I getting into? Well, the entire the entire field would have a 30-second penalty, so we'd all finish in the same spot. Everyone would have drive-throughs. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one or two 90-degree corners there. This yeah, place has crazy. all of them. I spoke to Jordan Taylor, and he said, like, he never experienced anything like it. And he said, he, like, he tried to be respectful at the start, and then he just got sick of it and started pushing back. But I don't I'll, know if I'll that's the right a, thing. I'll give you a little tip, because I've talked to you for five minutes now, and I like you, so I'm going to give you a tip. This You could use this to your advantage, or people also use it to your disadvantage. They don't have to race you next week. Exactly. Yeah. So they will use you up much more before they'll use me up because they have to race me. Where, they have to see you next week. I don't week. even know where we race next week. But, like, yeah. if somebody uses me up, 
I'm going to get their ass the following week. Yeah. Because I'm on a plane Monday. Yeah. You're on a plane Monday, so you could use somebody else's ass up, and yeah. you don't have to see him next week either. Yeah. Maybe never again. Maybe yeah. never again. <laughs> <laughs> I've never raced like that before, no. but I don't really want to. Like, yeah. You want to respect everyone because you're all racing for your championship and stuff, but That's you want to do well as well. I respect that. Yeah. yeah. But when you put the helmet on, could change. Yeah, Until the fifth guy uses you up. You're like, all right, yeah. I'm done. <laughs> and my luck, I'll Jordan be the, I'll be the sixth face. guy. We had him on here the Wednesday after Coda, and he popped up on the screen, and his face was like, what <laughs> the hell was that? He was violated. I think, though, it's going to be much different this weekend because there are, like you like you acknowledged, there's no margin for error, and there's no runoff. Yeah. Like, yeah you I don't literally have two you, lanes, and you either have the mustard and the mayonnaise. And they're both concrete walls. I watch you guys race every week, and I don't yeah, believe that. But there hey, has to be some I'll, respect to go too wide around some of those corners. You would hope yeah. to think, but yeah. I don't, we're not very smart. Have you called anybody else? Like, did you talk to Marcus or Scotty about coming over here and racing? Yeah, Marcus was very helpful. He was one of the first guys I rang, and just how to fit in and deal with the weekend and stuff. And but uh, I think it's changed a lot since he's done it. But still, it's all relative. But he was more encouraging to just get over here full time and come and. Come and try it. Yeah, but, dude. Yeah. Would you entertain that? What would it take for you to be like, you know what? I'm going to be a NASCAR guy. As I said, the more road courses now, it's it's appealing. And then coming here, seeing how the teams work, how the country is like. It's very rare to get an opportunity to come straight into the Cup Series and just try it, you know. So I'll see how it goes, see how we like it. And what, oval, what oval looks appealing to you? Not the Daytona Talladega stuff. That looks <laughs> nuts. But. Stuff like the the intermediate, or is that what you call an intermediate yeah. on the weekend? Yeah, yeah, that stuff looks cool. Bristol's what you got to go for, but yeah, that and and the Martinsville looks like crazy. Yeah, but yeah. Be dude, you this guy fit right in. I miss Marcus. Marcus was freaking electric to watch. Marcus was yeah. great, and dude, that finish at Watkins Glen was the one of the best That's ever. Right, yeah. But speaking of running into each other, I've heard um, I did a little research, yep. and I heard that you need to tell us about your birthday parties. I heard that they get pretty electric. <laughs> Well, that was my 30th we started it, and it's sort of been every year since. So we have like a car race. When's your birthday? May 9th. Okay. Yeah. Right in season for you. That Otherwise means we can I'll make go. some plans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, we just – you got cars. they got to be two-wheel drive. It's in a in a mate's paddock, and we get a, a timing line. Cars will have transponders, and you just go for it. It's a three-hour race, three drivers, and, yeah, we put all aero on them, paint them up like old race cars. and The only rule is – um. Or two rules, two-wheel drive, and it has to stay there afterwards. So you can spend, no one spends crazy money because you lose it. So. What track's it on? It's just a paddock, and we put hay bales out and go racing. Is a, is a paddock a parking lot? Like a I grass had this problem. field. Yeah, it's like a grass oh. field. Oh, I had this <laughs> on a farm. Listen, yeah. I had this problem okay. when George, our buddy George, first moved in with me. The first day we went down to our garage, and I had, to, um, I was at Roush working on the 26 car at the time at a Crown Royal Hood. And he said, oh, you got a bonnet. I said, yeah, what? He said, you got a bonnet. I said, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, dude. He's like, oh, it's a hood. <laughs> like, yeah. So there's definitely a different different lingo. But yeah, I heard that that it gets pretty it's rowdy pretty out there. It's good fun. Yeah. So you're so what is a what is preparation How many look like cars for you? Are in this race? Uh, the last one we had 25. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but it thins out pretty quick. What's the, what's the car to have? What, what usually wins? Uh, like a Nissan Maxima. I don't mm. know if you have that here. Six-cylinder yeah. front-wheel drive. Yeah. yeah. That's I'd what I've had ute. the last couple. I'd get a ute. The utes are cool over there. Yeah. I never knew much traction, though. No yeah. traction. Oh, yeah. You yeah. put some cinder blocks in the back <laughs> like when it snows out. <laughs> yeah. I've always wondered this because, like, we're on teams and we're in it week to week. How 
long ago because Darian, your crew chief. Yeah, absolute. St- I've won a championship with him before. He's one of the best. Awesome. But like, yeah. how how long ago did you guys start talking about like, okay, this is kind of what we do uh, for springs, and if the car handles this way, this is the feedback we need. How long ago did you start that dialogue with him? Yeah, it's been almost a month now, I guess. But the other thing is they don't really know yet. They've never done a street circuit, so. Yeah. I don't like to know so much about the springs and what's in the car exactly, but just an idea of what things do and what like the main tuning tools of the car is. And it's very different here. It's all about the diffuser, it sounds like, and getting that as close to the ground. Um, Our cars make the aero over the top, not underneath. So normally on a street circuit, you're high, soft. So there's a bit of a trade-off here, it looks like. But it's, um, yeah, it's been cool to listen to and learn. Like it's completely different, but also the same in some ways so have you done pit practice yet i did that yesterday and that's like we have the pit speed limiter we come in press the button and hold our oh, foot flat yeah. so ah yeah that's gotta be hard <clears throat> that's gotta be hard because i yeah. think i think track house's car is an old gen 6 car converted so it's got the old school tech. yeah we use the race car yeah, oh you actually use the one yeah so and then at charlotte we did some pit passes and like i started with the basic you know 100 revs i think it was pit yep. light and then that was okay and then i went to the race guys one and i to hold the speed is difficult. That's an art. Did you drag the brake a little bit? No. That helps. Okay. That would Giving all these guys my tips. Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. I, that's that's one of the biggest things because yeah. if you go to the – if you're running fifth, hell, if you're running 15th and, and you speed. And he comes out 12th. Then you're yeah. 35th. At the and then back, you're yeah. And your day's over. Yeah, man. Yeah. But when we did the pit stop practice coming in, normally my guys are all there waiting and you drive into the ah. stop. The first time I come in, everyone jumped over the wall. I just <laughs> myself. <laughs> it was crazy. thought yeah. I was going to run them over. Well, also, at least, hey – Oh, it's a right side pit stop wall this weekend, so that's one less thing he's got to figure out. Yeah, but he's on. This isn't on the other side of the car, dude. It's different. Like it it's yeah. it's it's even different for us. And these pit boxes are small. So yeah, I heard they're quite tight this week. Yeah. yeah um, you guys run sequential shifters in your B8 yeah, cars, right? We're a six speed, but I have a flat shift on the way up. So okay, yeah. But we um, most so of the similar. drivers right foot heel toe. So so how's that different than what? Like when you say flat so shift. Yesterday you got to no lift, lift. Lift a little bit to. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas we just have like an ignition cut. When you have enough force, it cuts uh, the motor. Oh, so uh, okay. Yeah, a bit different. So go back over there. You're sitting fourth in the V8 Supercar Championship, right? You said yep. it's super tight. It's very close. And yeah. I've got an interesting relationship with the points leader over there right now, Brody Kostecki. <laughs> so he made a legitimate NASCAR run, won some races in the K&N Pro Series. I was his crew chief during that time. So it's interesting how like. You're just your life just takes its own path, but um, you you said an interesting comment when I brought him up. He goes, "Ha, oh, he's a tough one." Yeah, he's good. It, it, he wheels. I man. guess because he's been brought up in the racing here, like he's kind of brought some of that back. And what is what is some of that? Like it's just tough. Doesn't take anything. Like you, but he's fair. Is, yeah, is really good about him. You know, you can race him hard. You can't take advantage of him, but he's gonna get leave you leave you that little bit of space. So a few rounds ago, we had an epic battle at Perth and. For the win. It was really cool. That's a gnarly track, dude. Perth? Yeah. That's only got three corners or something. Four corners. It's Which one? I'm good. thinking about Bathurst. You're thinking Bathurst. Bathurst, yeah. Mount Panorama. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, now that's gnarly when you guys start coming back down the hill and you can't really see that's where you're cool going. That's a cool track, yeah. But Brody, dude, his spread here was one of the sickest. The house with the big old garage. But his, doesn't his cousin race too? Is it Kurt? Yeah, there's two, two brothers, two cousins. Okay, they're, yeah. bro- okay. They're, they're both not doing as much. But I think Brody's trying to come back here. He was here. I've seen him dabbling around. Yeah, he wants to come and try. Yeah. He wheels, buddy. He he wheels. So it's cool to see him having success. It's cool to see you, uh, man. Try your hand at it. I'm I'm legitimately excited to see what you can do in that Project 91 car this weekend. Me too. What's uh, I guess you wait, wait wait and see after the weekend to see if you'd be interested in doing some more. What do you think? 
yeah, you just got to, I'm just trying to keep everything open, just enjoy it and take it all in. Like not trying to be too serious about it and be here to win, just have some fun and prepare well and we'll go well. But now what's going to come of it? No idea. Yeah. Well, have I you spent much time over here in America in general? Uh, I've done Daytona four or five times now, the 24. Okay, 24. Yeah, and then okay. a couple of Watkins and Sebring 12s, yeah. Okay, so oh, you've man, been driven a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you ran Le Mans, right? Yeah, last year. Yeah. How was that? That was awesome. Like, we didn't have the most competitive car. That was with um, Riley team from here. And um, we weren't the most competitive, but it was so much fun. Like, cool to experience. And you probably were teammates with somebody that was, like, a foot shorter than you. So, how'd that yeah, work? Yeah, Sam Bird is, like, the smallest <laughs> oh, guy I've ever seen. So, he could have sat, sat in my lap and drove. Like, it was <laughs> tiny. How'd, yeah. you, how'd you fit in there? Well, they have, they have the pedals on the sliders oh, okay. and the steering. But, yeah, he was um, – the biggest thing was he's so fast on the straights because of the weight. Oh. So, that makes it difficult. Yeah, but he was good. When was it a dream of yours or just a goal of yours to compete in NASCAR? And is there anything beyond this that you still want to tr try to achieve driving? I want to do the Nürburgring race, the 24 there. That looks epic. I've done a fair bit of racing in Europe. It's quite fun. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I've always loved supercars. Um, but, yeah, it's be cool to try stuff. You know, once you've – like I've won it a couple of times and I still want to keep doing it. But now, like, you see all these new things going on, you want to try them. Yeah. And getting the opportunity to is, like, it's hard to turn down. How much sure. do you wanted to, like, did you want, did you have F1 aspirations growing up and then you were just Never. too tall? It was really? always supercars. Yeah. Really? Always. Early 2000s when I started following racing, like, the, it was only Schumacher winning. Like, it wasn't that yeah. appealing to me, whereas supercars was out of control every week. Yeah. I wanted to do that. And then you, so when you grew up watching VA supercars, was, was Win Cup the guy? No, he was a few years later. So okay. it was like Marcus Ambrose, Greg Murphy, he was my hero. They were two. And Mark Scaife, they were all going together up okay. the front. So. And there was a track about 30 minutes. They'd come over to New Zealand. It was about 30 f minutes from home. I'd go every year and love What's it. that track called? Pukakaui. That's where you... And it, and it finished last year. Yeah. Pukakaui, because that's what Scotty was like. Ask him about Pukakaui. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, He what? said it again. I'm like, God bless you. What? What? He's like, just the one in New Zealand, man. Just ask him about that. <laughs> Pukakaui, yeah. Did you follow Ambrose's trip to NASCAR? Like, was it a big... Australian backing of, of kind of super curious and supportive of what he was trying to do over here? Yeah, like every week it was the news that have the winner and then how Marcus went. Like really? It was all they cared about, yeah. And the sports kind of died in the last six years over there because there's no one to follow. So it's been cool to see the interest in this week. I was going to ask you about that. So what's yeah. it been like by local, just local Australian news yeah, following? it's been crazy. And even, um, even my series posting so much about it going and trying it it's really cool to see the support from everyone yeah i'm, sure I'm, pumped. I'm pumped to see I've, I've always thought you know supercar guys would excel in in this style car and i'm i'm pumped for your opportunity and you know to to see like even what scotty's done in indycar and yeah, it's been you, good. you guys everybody over there wheels yeah so it's exciting to have you know the crossover that we're having what's been the uh so what's been the the kind of upload week you get in i saw you there at nashville so you got into the states what day then you yep. tested the roval on monday uh you're here on tuesday you're going to go watch the dil you're going to jump on the dil on thursday so what's like your week of just trying to intake information get ready for the week? pretty much had something every day so i arrived we went straight to the shop and had my earbuds done to get the earplugs and then seat fitting all all fitted up and all the team kit like it was pretty cool having so many people there just to get the car ready and then um yeah then we went to to Nashville, had a watch of qualifying, pretty much straight there. Chilled for the night, went to went to Tootsie's, which was cool. 
checked out that. Do they have any places like Tootsie's over there? Nothing. That's street. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that street. That is really? some American Man, that was crazy. It was very cool. A lot of bachelorette parties walking around. And you're like, what yeah, is going on Yeah, on all the little buses here? and stuff. Yeah, it's What crazy. would be like the Nashville comparable Australian town? Well, Gold Coast is pretty good sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I used to live there, but yeah, it's um, nothing like that. I mean, I've, I've, there's nothing like that in the rest of America either. So Broadway's <laughs> no. pretty unique. No. Yeah. Damn. I, yeah. The the preparation is that that part is what is crazy to me. If you don't if you don't wear earphones there, what do you guys use for radio? Well, we do just there, but different system here, I guess. So yeah. I just, I just made some new ones. And you bring your same helmet, or how's that work? I got one just done for the weekend. So Man's got a special cool. Chicago Bulls helmet. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Got a little 23 with a kiwi on the back. Oh. Now MJ was there this weekend though, but. Apparently, apparently, Michael Jordan doesn't sign his autograph. Apparently, he doesn't sign stuff, yeah. Really? Well, at least he says that to people. Why'd you around. ask him? Uh, PJ did, who's looking after us yeah. this week. okay. If anybody apparently can get make happen, it's PJ. And he said PJ no? Can't, yeah. yeah. But you said no. Said, oh, damn, if you get to the 45 or 23, ship them. <laughs> ship them. <laughs> yep. Boss should have signed my helmet, helmet boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, hey, I'm excited to ask uh, these three questions to you like I do every other, every other guest on the show. Okay. Just because you traveled across the pond to get here doesn't exclude you from these questions. Question number one, if you had to pick one car and one racetrack to race at the rest of your life, what do you go with? Uh, the McLaren GT3 at Bathurst. That was that was awesome to race there. That car, how we set it up, it was yeah. It was one, some of the best driving I've had. Yeah. Did it make a bunch of downforce and was just super fast? And you're... Yeah, and just the balance. We always struggled with looseness everywhere. That yeah. week it was just hooked up all weekend. Mm. It was now, so what fun. was – so that wasn't a V8 supercar? No, yeah. GT3 car. Okay. Yeah, McLaren, yeah. For the is – that, is that like the Bathurst 1000? Uh, it's a 12-hour weekend, it was, yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. You're saying these letters and these numbers, and we have no idea what you're talking about. And I just tried He just, like, shakes his head, like, McLaren, <laughs> yeah, what was it? Uh, it was a McLaren 650, a yep. GD3 car. Yeah, and still, yeah. no clue. We have to, Is I'm it gonna, orange? I'm going to tweet. I'm going to look it <laughs> it's, up. It's orange, yeah. When we're done. Yeah, it's orange. Yeah. That's I cool. See, I know what you saw. They do like <laughs> it. Like, yeah, <laughs> great guess. Is it orange? <laughs> I watched the Indy 500, too. It's all the McLarens there. Okay, there. that's a first-time answer, as I would have expected. Question number two. What's the most embarrassed you've been at the racetrack? I got asked this the other day. I still don't have an answer. Somebody ripped off my question. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. Give me something. Honestly, don't know. Did you ever poke one in the fence during time trials? Uh, probably a, a spun one day at a hot lap ride ride day with a journalist in the car and fenced it pretty hard. Did you? That was embarrassing, yeah. A friend of mine. That was years ago. A friend of mine used, hit a, this year, actually, um, hit the fence with a pace car. Ooh. In Los oh, Angeles, I hit the medical car once. That was pretty good. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my steering was, was broken. Oh man, that dude <laughs> that, that happened here, and it was a big fire. That happened with uh, oh Montoya, Montoya. Yeah. yeah, that was a big deal. You hit the ambulance? Yeah, like it follows the field on the first oh, lap. Oh yeah. In case there's a big crash, and I got hit into the fence. I was trying to get back to the pits, and the steering broke right at the time it was passing me, and I just I wiped it. Oh, it was no. a, it was like a brand new Porsche, and I just wrecked it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a good. That's one. a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. That's pretty embarrassing. Question number three. If you had to lose every racing memory that you've ever made and keep one, what do you keep? Oh, the Pukekohe race last year. Yeah, that was like my dream to be a supercar driver started at that track, and it was the last one there. The first guy to meet me out of the car to do the interview was Greg Murphy, my hero, and just the crowd went nuts. The burnout was cool. All my friends Because you won were the there. championship. No, I didn't win the championship. Just no, It was the last 20, ever race there. Was 21. Uh, yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was just the last race at that uh, track. At that track, they shut it down. Yeah, and just yeah, the atmosphere and like I came, I qualified eighth or something and got through to the front with a couple of laps to go. It was oh. awesome. Yeah, Is that dude. the only the race in New Zealand? Hometown kid. Sorry. Is that the only race in New Zealand? 
that they have? It was. They don't go there anymore. So That's it. They're trying to get back there, but yeah. How many people mistake you since you've been here for Australian? Oh, almost everyone. Everyone. Yeah. You're like, no, nah, man. It's kind of offensive, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, yeah. <laughs> I, hey, that, that I didn't really know how much of a difference there was either. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. I'm not Australian. I'm... Why don't you like Australian people? No, they're fine. Oh, okay. just being Kiwis better. Yeah. Yeah. There you, Canadian, isn't it? Isn't Your rugby better? team's way better. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, SVG, I wish you luck this weekend, buddy. Thank you. I See you there. I'm not. I won't run into you. I promise. <laughs> yeah. No, we're yeah. friends. That's good. Yeah, now I've got to go meet everyone else. Yeah. No, I'm excited for you to be over here. Dude, he'll run into you. Like I, that <laughs> oh, handshake. Dude, I, take I, it. I, he will definitely <laughs> run into you. I'll think. I'll feel bad about it if I do it. He'll he'll give I you like see. a sorry, but yeah. he will definitely. As I'm hanging out of the fence. Sorry. Quick story for your role. So Jensen Button called in. I was doing Sirius XM. And he's like, you know, I just, I, it's going to be very lovely racing with these guys. And I kind of took offense to that. So <laughs> the first time I got around Jensen Button, smash, smash. Oh, <laughs> was that lovely? <laughs> I won't do that to you. Okay. Because you didn't call us lovely. So there, <laughs> there you have it, guys. SVG, keep up with him. At the, who's on the car this weekend? Give them some love. And Hans Health and Quadlock in the 91 car. Yep. Driving the number 91. Track House, Project 91, Camaro, SVG, man, he's going to try to give us some NASCAR guys a run for the money. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a fun weekend. Nobody knows what to expect. So Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Can't wait. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match just go to indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pit road boats and woes. Pretty big woe uh, from arguably the fastest car in Nashville this weekend. The 45 loses a tire. Man, they I, got lucky, though. They got lucky. Because, hey, I, I went back, like – when I heard during the race, they're like, no, they didn't say that I was off on the racetrack. I'm like, stop it. It literally was. And then rules. the car was on pit road and lost the tire on pit road. So I guess that was the correct call. It's not like I think it worked out for them, like for the way the rule's written. I, would, I wonder if there's going to be an amendment written in the rule. It just goes like it goes to show you that two, two instances this weekend that just put racing and life in. It's like. Just wrap it all up in one one little bag. Is like if you think you have everything covered, if there's one thing you didn't think about, it's going to happen, right? It's the one wall the doesn't wall, have safety barrier. The, the one yeah. wall doesn't have a safer barrier. The race car is always going to find the wall that doesn't have a safer barrier. For sure. It's, it's like happened. It's like tail as old as time. Really. Like, yep. Oh, they'll never hit there. It's like if you're nut and bolting your race car to race somewhere and you're like, ah, that one's yeah, not going to come loose. And it, that's what breaks. For sure always happens um but yeah you're like that for that that rule was like if you don't get the nut on and you make it three pit stalls and you have to back up and it falls off i think we think it happened with the 14 last year it's like they don't want to have to make a call on that 
yeah. never thinking that if the wheel falls off in on the three way to four and you spin on the pit road and it comes off in between the yellow lines, I wonder if there'd be an amendment to that rule down the road. But I'm super happy for those guys that they're not going to get suspended. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. I don't want to see anybody's wheel fall off or, or a suspension. But it was just tough timing, and I think Denny – Denny talked on his podcast. I didn't, I haven't really kept up with how the 45 has been, but then he said that, you know, he feels like they've been struggling in the pit department side of it on the 45. And I, I, you know, those guys also had a great day in Coda and they've, have they won one or two races this year? Just Coda, I believe. So they're one of the few teams that's locked in the playoffs. They're a good team, a lot of talent. So hopefully they get it turned around pretty quickly. Now, what causes, a wheel to come off instantly after so that it must have just been over the locks and not tight at all it just wasn't tight enough because like you if you slow it down in that video that nascar put up you can see the nut fall off how does it come off the locks how does if it, it doesn't get all the way over it okay yeah it has to be pretty tight for the locks to stop it and if it's not it'll just spin off and mm. as you can see like before the nut came off he was already it was yeah. kind of coming off the pins and uh yeah, you can see the nuts shoot off and kind of go up and hit the fence, and then he spins out. The good thing about the right rear is it does kind of get stuck up in the fender, and the the force is pushing it on to, you know, yeah. back inside the inside the fender to the inside of the car. The left sides they seem to just peel right out of there. Yeah, but yeah, it was a man. But even so, though it wasn't a two lap penalty for it falling off, essentially it ruined his day because you go down the distance pit road. With no right retire, it drags as low as the cars are running, drags the diffuser off. And once it drags a half inch off your diffuser, you you lose your aero seal, then you're just hanging Where on. Where were you at as far as pit sequence on that? Just had you pitted, just pitted. So then we had to take a wave, which it worked out really good for the for Bubba and a couple others that were right in front of me. They stayed out, and then uh, I think Bubba got stage points because of that and then kind of faded at the end. But a couple guys were on the beneficiary side of it. I wish we would have waited one more lap because we would have – uh, been been in good shape there, but super important for me to have nobody in front of me. Um, well, when we like when you pull the tire and you roll it because you don't want to roll it in your guys, and you really don't want the guy in front of you to be like on the tail end of the lead lap. So when you're rolling your tire, it hits their tire changer. Like what happened? Wall. We were so I was like you. really pulling for you to go lap down there early, not for you, but just really for the hoping. car and the pit box in front of me. It just so happened it was a pit box in front of you, and I'm like, man, I feel like a friend here but i really wish reddick would get up there and pass the seven he ain't and, doing it and he didn't do it sorry buddy no you held him off for like 15 laps yeah pulled the belts so tight i i looked up and i'm like it was like 20 to go he got clear and he was like a second back and i'm like okay Corey's gonna be lapped down so that'll be good no, for I, us and i look back up and i'm like Corey's going i was driving away from I was him like, a little bit Corey's going better like he's like a couple hundreds better than he is I'm like damn at best he's matching yeah well him and the 45 and the in the one, I mean, they had a couple good laps of side by side stuff. I was watching the time of the score in the same way. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe it'll slow them down enough to keep Corey. Yeah, well, I, I was freaking arrow blocking my ass off there because that's what essentially made. If you stay in a lead lap in your first, in the first run, your day's not made, but you're much better shape than fighting behind the eight ball the rest of the day. Well, even more so than if you get, even if you get the lucky dog, you're still tail end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then you have to start back there again. Yeah, but now you, yeah, that. That was uh that was a big run for you and I realized how big it was and I was then then we crashed and gave you an opening in the rest of the day. Yeah, appreciate that. It was nice nice smooth sailing for me the rest of the day. Top See, team on the weekend, fourteen team. 
Go that's ahead. What you, I was going to say, that's what you get for uh, wishing your, your, your buddy to yeah. go lap down. I didn't, like, I didn't like Malunkio. <laughs> I wasn't like trying to, you know I was just kind of hoping him that he would be like. Mm-hmm. See what happens? Yeah. I think that's Anyway, true. pit crew for the 14 team. They were the dogs of the they week. Were the they dogs. were the dogs of the week. Let's hear them. We got Shane Papaya. Front changer. Dog. Dog. John Bernal. Tire carrier. He's been around a long time. Bernal. Dog. You, have you worked with a lot of these guys over yeah, there still? all yeah. of them. Rear all changer, them. Dakota Ratcliffe. Dog. Jason Ratcliffe's kid. Oh, is it? Yeah. Crew chief on one of the JGR hey. Xfinity cars? Yep. Jackman, Dylan Moser. Yeah, Dog. He's, good. he's really good. Fuel I man. think he might have been out for a little bit, and I don't know if he's back now, but yeah, he's really, really good. He's on the roster for yeah, uh, the so, yeah, that, 400. That so. makes sense on why they're back on yeah. the top of the board. And then fueler, Corey Coppola. He's got a great name. Dog. Gasman, dog. I'm not a huge fan of Gasman, you know. Andrew Lackey really ruins Gasman for me. Yeah, you got to have one, though. You got to uh, have one. Jason Ratcliffe was Matt Kenseth's crew chief. Yeah. See that <laughs> they pulled Martinsville? I did. Hopefully Dakota didn't. He was just a little kid back then. <laughs> he was just a little kid. He's <laughs> little guy not knowing anything about the world. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, we, we got to get to our guests. Hey, this weekend, though, Pit Road, good luck. Pit boxes are just as short as Charlotte, but – Almost as narrow as Indy. Really? So it's going to be probably the tightest pit row we go to, and they're um, only one opening or something, right? It's yeah, yeah it's going to be a mess. Uh, like it's it's got potential to be a mess on pit road, but it probably won't be because with no stages, everybody will be kind of splitting and coming uh, at different times. But uh, but yeah, you're definitely. But I mean, a, a yellow flag stop. Every, pretty much every car is going to be in a lead lap. Yeah, that's going to be pretty crazy. It could be crazy. Yep, but it's not as crazy as like Detroit. Grand Prix, or it was the split pit road. Did you see that? No. Where IndyCar, Mm-mm. they had like um, two different lanes, and you either pit right-handed or left-handed. Huh. It's not as big of a difference for them as it is like for a Joker us. lane. Uh, I'll show you a video of it when we're done. But it's like Gilligan's yeah, Island at Sonoma back in the day. A lot like that, but yeah, this weekend's got potential to be pretty challenging weekend for everybody on pit road. And interesting fact: you only need four gas cans to get um get through this race it's not you shorty it's a shorty so sinoco is giving you your four gas cans then you can't get back to the gas pumps the way that it's all the way oh. that the whole track is designed once you get the pit road you can't you can't leave with a can you can get ah. out with a bridge but that's about it hmm. so interesting yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy man i'm excited to see just the amount of work that julie geese and her team has done in that area and I th- I'm excited about it. I think there's going to be a lot of positive things. Seems like a lot of positive energy going in there. A lot of unknowns, but a lot of those unknowns could be answered by our next guest, Chuck. Who's coming on? I think you got somebody who knows a thing or two about uh, putting a racetrack together in unique places. Ben Kennedy. Yeah, I mean he's kind of been the brainchild of the LA Clash out there in the Coliseum, and now this thing. I wonder what he's going to do next. You could ask him. We're going to ask him. Right here on Stack and Pennies, coming up right after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, 
the way car buying should be. All right, guys, we have a star-studded lineup on this episode of Stacking Pennies. Not only do we have SVG coming on the podcast, we have the man behind the Chicago street race himself, Ben Kennedy. We've been trying to get him on for months. Finally, we have got him located in his hotel room in Chicago. How is it now that your boot's on the ground out there? It's great. It's uh, it's good to finally be in Chicago. It's been a, a long time coming. You know, this is a project we've been working on for many years now, but great to finally be here in Chicago. I can tell you the energy is strong. Um, I went around the course today and had a chance to look at it uh, for the first time in this condition with everything coming together. And I think it's going to be a really special weekend out here. So looking forward to it. How much of your available time do you th- think you've spent in the last year on this weekend in particular? That's a good question. I would say in the last year, you know, maybe 40% of my time, um, 40 to 50%. You know, Julie Easy and the entire team here in Chicago. So we have a team based in Chicago. We have an office here that's just on the north side of the park, um, led by Julie, who used to be the track president at Phoenix. She transitioned over to Chicago to be the track president of Chicago. So we have her as well as a dedicated team here. And then central and regional um, kind of business units are all supporting this uh, area. So um, I would say I've spent a decent amount of time on it, um, but really I have to give a ton of credit to Julie and the entire team here in Chicago. We also partnered up with a company called Four Leaf um, out of Austin, Texas, who has a ton of experience in the city with big events like this. Um, and they've been tremendous too. So I've spent a, a little bit of time here, but I would say a lot of it has really been led by uh, the boots on the ground here. So first ever street race in essentially the modern era of NASCAR. Is there any racing series, whether it be Indy or F1, you've kind of looked at or asked just some opinions on how to best execute the weekend? Yeah, so it's a good question. I would say the first thing that we really wanted to to try to find out, um, and this was earlier on in the process, is figuring out, hey, can we actually make this course work? Is it feasible or not? So as a part of that, partnered up with iRacing, um, who I'm sure you've jumped on many times before, you know, wheel and pedals, they laser scan the tracks, you can go drive it in a, a virtual race car. So we did that, tested out the course, made a couple of different variations of it, got it to a good spot. And then you know, I'd say over the past probably two and two and a half years or so, um, obviously we've had our you know design development team and competition folks that have been working on this, uh, but have reached out to you know the folks in Nashville and Toronto and St. Pete and the other people that have worked on street courses before, because you know, this is something that's brand new to us. So to your point, we've never done a street course in our sports 75 year history. We're all going through a lot of um, kind of learning curves as we put all this together. There's gonna be a lot of things that are gonna work really well. There's gonna be a lot of things that we're gonna learn and wanna improve upon. But, you know, thankfully we've had a, a lot of um, a lot of talented folks that have a lot of experience with road courses and street courses that have all helped kind of um, put the site plan together and, and what it's really gonna look like this weekend. What has been a harder undertaking, pulling this off or putting a racetrack inside the LA Coliseum? <laughs> uh, I would actually say, uh, well, I'd have to ask Julie that question. Um, but I would say probably this, um, you know, the if you go back to the Coliseum and even if you talk to some of our internal folks that put those plans together. So you know, the biggest challenge we really had there was a window of time. We had six weeks 
to essentially bring in a couple hundred truckloads of dirt, pave a quarter mile asphalt racetrack, construct the walls, construct the fencing, put the safer barriers in, and then tear it down and be out of there within two weeks. And it seemed really daunting, but the great part about it is you had a lot of the built-in infrastructure already. So you had the grandstands, you had the suites, you had the hospitality areas, you had Wi-Fi and connectivity, you had all the um, fiber and cabling that you need to broadcast a race. For an event like this, we're starting with a blank slate. Um, so everything that you're gonna see this weekend outside of the park and the fixtures that exist there permanently are all temporary. So obviously the walls are temporary, the fence is temporary, the grandstands are temporary. Our paddock club structure that we've never done before that's 25 feet up in the air is all entirely temporary. Um, so I would say that's been the biggest learning curve for us uh, is you know obviously working with our internal folks, but then for Leaf to really create the vision for what this event's going to look like. What are the different tiers? What does the the fan experience look like? How do we make it different and special for the people that are coming to it? What's the entertainment look like? We have the Chainsmokers and Miranda Lambert on the stage, um, and, and really try to make something special around it. So I would say that's been. Um, I don't want to speak for them. I don't think it's been a huge challenge. It's just been time consuming trying to put all of those plans together. What load in is going to look like, what load out is going to look like, um, and then the whole vision. At what point do you feel like with the work you're doing with the LA Clash, the Chicago Street Race, and all the future events you're going to be behind, figuring out how to continue to push the sport forward, at what point do you think that you'll legitimately feel like you're grabbing the baton from your family? and pushing the sport to the next, into the next chapter. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I'd, I'd say it's, it's a team effort for sure. A lot of folks have been involved on these two projects in particular. Um, and, you know, I think the, the hope as we think about just scheduling in general, um, and you think about this year, I think it's a really good example of it. Our 75th anniversary had the opportunity to go to an iconic historic racetrack that we haven't been to in over two decades in North Wilkesboro celebrate our roots and celebrate our history, but then, um, you know, a month and a half later, do something entirely new and entirely different and create a street race in downtown Chicago. So I think it's an opportunity for us um, to celebrate our history and who we are as a sport, but then also where there are opportunities for us to think differently and think bold and introduce our fans um, to NASCAR in a different way, but then also introduce people that haven't had the opportunity to come out and sample our sport before, um, give them the, the opportunity to. So, um, you know, it's been a, a really neat project and projects to be on over the past few years. You know, I'd say in the grand scheme of things, scheduling is just one part of our business. And, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to work on the competition side a little bit. I've had the opportunity to work with Phelps and O'Donnell, um, on strategy and innovation and scheduling and international. So um, it's really a very complex business. I know I still have a ton, ton to learn and a lot of um, you know, things that are going on, but you know, thankfully we've got a great group um, to lean on and, and learn from along the way. It's almost like I'm, I'm hearing you say, if, if the fans may, might not want to come out and see the show, we're going to bring the, the show right to the fans, right downtown Chicago, right downtown L.A., is there anything on your wish list of either taking potentially a temporary short track or another street course to different markets that we don't go to currently? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, what we've said from the start as you think about a concept like a stadium event or a street course event, 
Um, and then you look at our schedule in totality, right? Road courses and street courses and stadium events aren't necessarily what what we've run through our past 75 years. Our our core of our schedule really lives on oval tracks, you know, short tracks, intermediate tracks, super speedways. Yeah, that's really the DNA of the schedule. So, you know, we've added more road courses over the years and we're going to dabble and dip our toe into a street race here or there. You know, maybe we have a, a stadium race, um, you know, continue to be in LA or in other markets. But for us, this is really, and we've said this internally a bunch, this is proof of concept for us. Um, so we've never done any of these concepts before. And, and to your point, exactly. It's an opportunity for us to bring NASCAR racing to a lot of people in a new and different way. And, you know, I, I think Chicago and Los Angeles are great examples of that. And if there are other opportunities as we look at both domestic and abroad, you know, it then opens the door to a lot of other potential markets you could look at. So think about the number of Olympic stadiums you have around the world that you could potentially have a stadium like event at, or just street courses in general, it opens the door to so many places. So. By no means am I saying that we're going to have, you know, 20 street courses on this schedule um, 15 years from now, but I think dipping our toe into a new type of venue like this uh, certainly opens the doors to new markets where we may not have otherwise had uh, permanent facilities. I presented a, a hot take earlier in the show that you can help us resolve the thinking behind it. I propose that I wish that there was certain races throughout the course of the year that were cup only, right? We had previously the Brickyard 400 was if you if you were on the Cup Garage, you were at you were at the big track. If you were a truck or Xfinity guy, you were at IRP. And I almost think my take is is you dilute the, from the big show by bringing the other ones there. Is there conversations internally as to why you like supporting series and not have more cup cup standalone events? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it's it depends on a number of factors. You know, I think part of it is a lot of our fans love to come for the entire weekend. So, you know, obviously a lot a lot of them love to camp out. And I think as we talk to a lot of our track promoters, that's you know that's a big element of the value of the weekend, right? People want to come on Thursday and Friday. They want to see races on. Friday night and, you know, maybe an Xfinity race on Saturday leading into the cup race. So I think creating that weekend atmosphere has always been important to us, you know, across the industry, you do get a lot of efficiencies, um, not only on the competition side, but broadcasts and kind of other areas of the industry, just gain efficiencies, having everyone in that same market. You know, that said, it's, it's, you know, I'd be lying to say it's a concept that we, we don't constantly talk about. Um, to your point, I could probably think of, you know, a handful of different markets where you have, you know, a really big track where you could have a cup event at, uh, but then you have other local short tracks where you can um, host those races. So really, you know, a, a big part of that is just, you know, thinking through, you know, what's kind of the level, um, you know, of parameters around that track to make sure that we can bring in an Xfinity series race or a truck series race that it's safe for our competitors, it's safe for the fans, um, it has asphalt, it's in really good condition. Um, broadcast can come in, obviously cover it. So there's a lot of things that we definitely have to consider as we think about you know, both the venues that we're running at today and then the potential new venues, but something that we, we definitely talk about a lot um, on the scheduling group. So 
you guys have all the metrics on people who are consuming tickets, buying tickets. What's the percentage of fans coming to Chicago who are first-time fans, and what should they expect going this weekend? Yeah, it's. Um, I don't have the exact number in front of me. I'm going to say it, it will probably look similar to what we had in L.A. Um, a year and a half ago for the first Clash of the Coliseum. So that was around 70%. I'm going to guess uh, two-thirds to three-quarters or more of the people that are coming are going to be first-time customers. So, you know, I think the great part about it is we have a lot of fans that have gone to other venues that are still coming to this race. We'll have a lot of people, um, both from the Chicago area and around the world. So 50 different states. So they finally got all 50 states um, and 13 different countries are going to come this weekend. So far, um, we still have more, four more days to sell. So we're going to have a lot of folks coming, um, certainly that have followed NASCAR for years or decades. We'll have a lot of new folks um, come this weekend and sample it for the first time, too. That's, that's super cool and super um, optimistic to hear i was going to ask you i'm going to ask you the three questions that i ask everybody and let do you have something else no i don't have anything i'm good i mean i mean it is i I guess i would have one question because we're both you know we cross paths first question is do you remember racing against Corey? and what do you remember about racing (laughs) did i ever run into you i I, the only thing that i remember racing against Corey, and this is so bad is at gresham motorsports park and Corey can keep me honest because i know he remembers it is we were lining up for practice. So we went oh, down backed over my hood. Infields. Yeah. Went through the infield and I was trying to I was trying to index my wheel. So I was trying to reset it on the steering column. Uh, and I went forward and I went backwards. And I thought that I checked my mirror, but I don't know if it was a it was a blind spot or honestly maybe I didn't check it. And I, I backed over Corey's um, left front fender. So <laughs> Oh, big, it, it took me a long hot. time to to not live that one down, but I uh, I felt pretty bad after after that. And from there on out, I told my spotter to just constantly talk to me, even if it's like on pit road in the middle of practice. <laughs> Tell me what's going on. I, I that, asked that question because I look at the notes here, and you were just named, you know, uh, Sports Business Journal's top forty under forty. You've kind of come into the uh, more of a leadership role and really an unprecedented time for our sport with the next gen car and really pushing on pushing events further and further. Some of the things that we're doing, especially this weekend, if we talked about it five, 10 years ago, everybody in the garage would be up in arms. How, how much has your time as a competitor there when you were younger helped you transition into a leadership role? I would say quite a bit. Don't want to say that you, you take it, um, you know, for granted or anything as you're a driver. But, um, you know, I, I think as I was thinking about it as, as a driver, you know, every day that I went to a racetrack or I came home from a racetrack, um, you know, I was constantly focused on being the best athlete that I possibly could. I, I definitely didn't have the talent uh, to start and I probably didn't when I retired as a driver. Uh, but I learned a lot throughout the way. And, um, you know, in the back of, of my head, I was always curious, you know, is there going to be a period of time when I transition over and are there going to be anything that I, I'm learning today as a driver that I could apply? And in my head, I would always say, no, there's, there's not a ton, but since I've come over to the business side, there's so much that, um, you know, I've been able to apply from being behind the wheel in a driver's seat or, you know, even being on the team owner side, granted in a much smaller capacity with a late model team in Daytona Beach, Florida, 
but there's a, I think there's a lot of learnings that I've had along the way. And if anything, it gives me a bit of a different lens and different perspective um, to look from that, you know, when we have conversations with teams about um, X, you know, there might be something, you know, again, to a much smaller scale that I've also experienced on the team side too. So I think that's been a big part of it. And then, um, you know, as you guys know, relationships are huge in this sport, building those relationships, being a driver and, and um, team owner has been really helpful too. So I think it's so neat to see a lot of the people that I work with in the truck series and the Xfinity series um, that are now sitting on the pit box for um, people that are going to victory lane on Sunday. So it's really neat to see, uh, you know, a lot of other people having success and people that have had the, the privilege to work with too. So I'll ask you these three questions. Generally they're through a driver's perspective, but I'm going to go and ask you to answer them through your current roles perspective, right? Question number one is if you had to pick one type of car and one type of racetrack and where do you put it? So one, like we're talking about NASCAR race cars, any, any race car you want to pick, buddy, one type of car and one type of racetrack and you can put it anywhere. Yeah. Hmm. I would, um, I guess I would have to take a cup car cause I've never driven a cup car. Um, that's always been on my list. I would take a next gen car. I would probably do Daytona just because, well, you can't really move Daytona. So maybe Talladega, Talladega. And, um, I don't know, put it on an Island somewhere, yes. somewhere, uh, somewhere really tropical and just an island speedway and you gotta you gotta take a boat to get there or something yes i, I don't know now we're um, talking I, th- I think that'd be cool yeah that's the clash yeah nice nice backdrop in 2030 island speedway yeah <laughs> I- island speedway somewhere um <laughs> somewhere in the caribbean or something <laughs> now we're talking we'll talk off yeah. we'll talk off the record about details for that first too by the way um <laughs> You just you, don't hold me to that by any means. We'll see about that. I think you already answered number two, <laughs> which was, um, what's the most embarrassing been at the racetrack? I will let you, I'll take the answer that you gave us earlier about you backing over my hood at Gresham as your answer. Question number three, and this is your driving memories and just your overall memories in the sport since you were born into it and you've grown up in it. If you had to lose every single one of your racing memories and keep one what do you pick i would pick yeah i was really young and you know i remember growing up and you know obviously grew up around the sport in daytona i think i went to every daytona 500 that um since i was born maybe not my first one because i was two months old but i've been to a lot i I would say and i got to grow up you know watching dale earnhardt jeff gordon and the rivalry that ensued in, in between them and it, it was really it was amazing to watch uh certainly as a kid and then grow up and have respect for it so you know i think being able to experience um dale earnhardt's daytona 500 win was something really special i mean the amount of decades that he he tried to win that event and then to win it and then to see the entire industry i mean all the teams line up and down pit road was something incredible and then you know the iconic donut in in the grass uh is something that that you'll remember for a lifetime so um 
Yeah, I'd say it, if I could remember anything, it would probably um, be that day. That's a great answer. Give me some goosebumps to fire me up for this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Ben, I know you got a, I know you got a lot of work to do there in Chicago, but if you can, man, just take a minute and take it all in for the hard work you and your team have put together to put this event on. It's going to be huge for our sport, and I'm honored to be a part of it. So thank you for jumping on Stacking Pennies with us this time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys out here. Should be a fun weekend. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. All right, Chuck. We got some penny for your thoughts questions. What do we got? We got one from a Corey LaJoy fan. Whoa. That's his, yeah. That's the his one. Twi- yeah, the one. That's his uh, Twitter handle. That's my burner account. <laughs> so you asked this, what is the funniest Randy LaJoy racing related story that you have, Corey? I know this is late from Father's Day weekend. Man, I've, I've told a lot of my embarrassing Randy LaJoy stories. You got any good ones? I know you got <laughs> most of the ones that are funny weren't funny at the time. Yeah, they were the best one. the The one that sticks out to me that was like uh, kind of blew my mind was when was Bristol when you wrecked the modified of Bristol and you were completely concussed and you walked back to the trailer and we were just standing there and he come walking up. Hang on, and he hang said, on, "What hang happened?" And hang you on, said, hang. "No, I'm not. I'm not stopping because okay. I gotta." The way that I remember it right. is going to be different than the way you remember it. He's he said. I was getting ready to leave. What the f*** happened? What the f*** happened? And you said, something broke. And he said, yeah, traction. And I I just left. I'm like, good luck loading. And I just left. Meanwhile, the freaking crankshaft was embedded in the outside wall there. Yeah, traction. So how did you remember that? Similar. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was following Mike Stefanik, NASCAR Hall of Famer, God rest his soul, in the one. And those modifieds, contrary to every other race car in the entire world, get arrow loose because they're like, I don't know, 90% rear downforce. So when you lose the downforce on those things, they get loose. Into one, I entered one into the bank with like some counter steer in it. I lifted, got into the bank and sat on the left rear tire. And I'm talking head on as head on can get. Boom, head into the steering wheel, the whole thing. And uh, then the rest of the story went as uh, as you just explained it. So Yeah, it was a big hit. Um, the funniest Randy LaJoy racing story. There was a good, uh, this wasn't quite racing related, but I remember being, was Dale Jr.'s first cup win the all-star race? Yes. So what was that? Oh, 2000? Was it 99 or 2000? I think it was 2000. So, I, so I'd have been nine. I remember there was like eight of us, her dad and like some other buddies. 2000. 2000. And dad heard about the party or something they were having. And I don't, they must have changed the location because we went to J- Dale Jr.'s house that was at that, that time right across the street from where DEI was. And we got there and realized there wasn't a party. Must have been, a, I don't know if he was living up there where he is now, but dad wanted to leave him a present. So therefore, we took all of his lawn furniture from his back patio and put it on his roof. The table, the umbrella, like set it all up like it was literally just in his backyard, like on the slant of the roof. I remember like passing Dale Jr.'s like foam cushions and stuff like, to my dad up on the roof. Uh, so yeah, that was a that was a funny story. Um, did 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 y'all own up to that one? Did you let him know, or did like, is this it? Is this, this when you're letting him it. know? Okay, this might be it. Twenty three years later, Dale, that's how your furniture ended up on your roof. But if he's if he was living somewhere else, it's probably supposed still up there. It's like, why is my furniture on the roof? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody else's house. Yeah, so, so a bitch put my dang 
bird feeder on the roof. <laughs> There's a family out there with a vendetta against the LaJoys yeah. for the past 20 years. <laughs> Should have nailed that <laughs> down. Never thought about that, actually. I don't know that there's So like... who knows furniture we put on the roof. Was Dale's at one point in time. Next question. Next question. I'm calling a bit of an audible from what's on the rundown, and I'm going to one that I saw on the Twitters just now because it related to a conversation we had earlier in the podcast. During Sunday's race, there were a number of, quote, rear view driving SOBs, end quote, that were using the cameras to arrow block. Do you think that the rear view cameras are too good and are inhibiting passing? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I actually have never really thought that, but I do think that the racing would look much more different than you would anticipate without a camera or without a rear view mirror. I mean, every dirt car in the country doesn't have a rear view mirror. Now, that's also like toothpaste you can't put back in the bottle, right? NASCAR, like people would cry safety. Oh, you, you know, taking a mirror away is taking away safety. I think that it would be – you would have more passing if you took the mirror out. I think you guys need the uh, the beeping sonar alarms <laughs> that way. If- beep, 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 beep. <laughs> or, the, or the little uh, grid thing that says like you're this close yeah, to yeah. like when you're backing up. It says, oh, the dotted line, you're, you're good. The solid line, you're toast. Yeah, I uh, I would be team no camera, no rear view mirror. That would be weird to say. But I think you ought to blindfold yourself. <laughs> Put blinders on like a horse. <laughs> yeah. Like your sea biscuit out there. I can't see too good, but I really do like Fig Newtons. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah. Uh, we need to start selling the windshields. Sell. Dude, I went this week. You say that as a joke. I went this weekend to um, Bowman Gray to commentate, and one of the late model drivers, I was like looking at it, and I'm like, Back glass was just black, like like black uh, plastic, like side skirt. <laughs> That's what we need with stickers on it. Yes, and I'm like, like uh, you don't John Boy's tree shop. I'm like, you don't run, <laughs> don't run mirrors here, huh? He's like, nah, nah. I don't need one anyway. Just looking out in front of it. I'm like, hell yeah, yes. This guy does not. My man ain't looking at the rearview mirror. Everything's out front. How'd that go? It was good. It was a good time. Good time. Out with my buddy Donor. Went to Pulliams, which I heard was Big Bill Francis favorite hot dog stand. It was actually really cool. Like. It was like some of the days of thunder. Did you I, get you a glizzy? I go there. I meet um, Dillner in the parking lot, like right by uh, the, the time and score tower. And he brings me to Pulliam's. And we go in. And the guy running Pulliam's is like, you hear about the drama over there this morning? And they start talking about racing. And yeah. sat around, ate some hot dogs, bullshit about racing. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Got to walk around the pits. It's different when you go. Guys, anybody who has not been to Bowman Gray Stadium, you have to go. Yeah. It's it's, it's unbelievable. It's yeah. it's great, and then it's like, but it's different when you go to the pits because like we're used to being competitors, like there as like a part of the media, you walk around and you're in everybody's pit, so you hear like all the stories from all the other ends, and you realize that uh, all the times you've been pissed off at the racetrack, it's probably just a misunderstanding, <laughs> thousand percent. Yeah, and nobody but it's really fun to be pissed to off sometimes. It. I'll tell you, fried Oreos and a cold beer at Bum Grace Stadium. That's like one notch below heaven, but I'm running the modified there a full season eventually. I will. I, I want to be there for that. Let me oh, know when that gonna is. Great. You're gonna be the crew chief. I'll do Joe. whatever I need to do because yeah. I want to experience that on that level. Yeah. So we have one more. Penny for your thoughts. Question. All right. It comes from Rick Hawkinson. This is for both of you two. Twenty three eleven tweeted out a picture last weekend with Tyler Reddick, Garth Brooks, and Michael Jordan, which is pretty dang cool. What a trio! Is this the big three? Yeah, yeah. Well, two big three and then a little guy. Two and a half. Yeah. Which two people, <laughs> living or dead, would be in y'all's cool picture? Oh, man. Great question. Yeah, I saw that, and I don't know. I don't really know. Earnhardt, probably one of them, right? Yeah. 
You know what my trio of cool people would be? I'm going to rob one of yours. It'd be Dale Earnhardt and Jesus Christ. That's what I was yeah, going to say. Yeah, that's the with, same thing, with, man. With, with my, it's not the same thing. I know. Jesus and three disciples. <laughs> <laughs> and my my hands would be around both of them, cheesing my ass off, buddy. Like this. Yeah. Who would be in your three, Chuck? Oh, man. I mean, Dale Mustard. No, no, no. no you can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colonel Mustard Paul in Rivers. the living room yeah. with lead with pipe. With the candlestick. <laughs> um, George Washington. No, I'd go like yeah, maybe Napoleon. Thomas Jefferson. Okay. And let's see. I don't know. You know, uh, that's a tough one. That second one's a tough one. You'd probably <laughs> pick some dead musician. Yeah, John Lennon. Hmm. I think that'd be right. interesting just to pick his brain. Oh, George Harrison. Uh, you got four. <laughs> probably Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed because I really, really love Smoking the Bandit. I'd put the Bandit Snowman back together. Sure. Who's yours? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't. I mean, I earn heart. And, yeah, I mean, how you get so hard to pick Jesus Christ? I mean, golly. Because I want mine to I mean, be the best. Yeah, but hey, I, that's, now that you said that, it's like, I, mean, I can't go against that. You can, but I mean, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, this is one that I've given thought to all day, and I still don't have an answer. They've stumped me, so I want to pick wrong. Because what if what if I get the opportunity one day? I don't want to get to the pearly gates and said, Jesus says, "Hey, yeah, you yeah, pick me, dog. You're out." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to know from me, dog. It's like I couldn't <laughs> pick no, you because you'd already been picked. You're out for that reason. Left him off a kickball team. <laughs> yeah, those are some good questions. I like that. Uh, also, who would have had Tyler Reddick, Garth Brooks, and Michael Jordan in a pitcher about a year ago? Yeah. Um, Garth Brooks of everybody. Welcome to the welcome to the show. Garth Brooks had the baggy jeans on, too. <laughs> Penny Sacker of the Week is Easton from Georgia. So, uh, I got this third hand. So, Sunday morning, they, my team had all morning, right, before they had to go to the racetrack. They went to lunch. Don't, don't know where they went. Uh, but Easton and his dad, I don't know if he was family, in town for a baseball tournament. Listened to the podcast. Big fan of me. Saw guys from Spire eating lunch. Walks up to him. Tells him, hey, I'm Easton. Big fan. Yada, yada, yada. Here's a penny. Gave my race engineer, Roy, a penny, who then in turn gave it to me. And it brought us a little bit of luck for Sunday. So, Easton, you, sir, are the penny stacker of the week from Georgia. That's all I got for today. Great show. Action-packed, Chuck. Uh, make sure you guys tune in because we've got a lot of stuff going on the rest of this week. We're doing a uh, satellite show on location in Chi-Town. Uh, but before that, make sure you guys tweet us for your questions. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts. Like, download, share, rate, review. Tell your neighbors. Tell your friends. Tell your kids. Here we are. Film some good content. And then tune in to us. I think that's going to drop what? Sunday? Probably. Yeah, it'll drop Sunday. It'll be your spare change. All right, and then you're going to want to watch Chicago Street Race, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be electric. A lot of unknowns, a lot of questions from me and from everybody else, and uh, it's going to be great. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a great week. Goodbye. Goodbye.